0: for our generation, I think the most powerful and kind of persuasive visual artist with the symbols that you create, I, I really can't think of anybody that I've seen. When you look at a picture, it does what like a, a Botticelli must have done back in the old days when you were in Italy. And, and you look at something and it just stuns you and mesmerizes you there for a second and just draws you in deeper and deeper. And it's a, a must be a, a wild thing to have that come through you. So I wanted to talk about, you know, the process of actually creating this. I mean, from inception to the actual art of it and and how that how that happens for you.
1: Oh, great. Well, um uh, very generous. Thank you for that. Pleasure You're welcome. to be with you. I mean, it. um yeah, that's a great question because I think that uh one of the things that I'm drawn towards the most really is beyond the uh the, the finished paintings or whatever comes out is really the experience the creative experience and the just like the ritual and journey that is you know i think that the more that i go into the process and i'm present with the actual act of creation from um, like the inception from meditating beforehand that whole dance and that kind of conversation that i have with myself and my subconscious and sometimes a you know a consciousness that feels like it's outside of myself the the paintings of what i create are um, they're just the the residue that's left over from the journey that i go on while i'm creating the art you know they're like my little instagram snap you know there's little snaps of just pieces of what it's actually like to be in the throes of having that kind of a exchange of of ideas and emotions. Mm -hmm.
0: I think probably most people would have the assumption that this art comes to you in, you know, a psychedelic trance. But I'm imagining, you know, that when you're used to this space and familiar with this space, you know, I've been in this space quite a bit as well, that you don't necessarily have to be in a psychedelic state to have these visions available to you. Is that the Mm -hmm. case or do you tend to go back to the primary source
1: no, not at all. I mean the source that um, these type of visions come from um, are beyond psychedelics, you know for myself and uh, I Started making art I was been, I've been an artist um, Much longer than I've been someone that's been an enthusiast of psychedelics um, I find that psychedelics have Added a what they, what they do. It depends on the type of psychedelic um, What I find that people can kind of be the most surprised about though is that i um, you know, I get labeled into this uh, this sort of visionary artist kind of you know cultural marketing. Like it's it's e- it's just easier because I'm friends with a lot of them and we play in the same spaces. But you know, if you were really to break that down, it's uh, it's a little um, it's not really authentic towards my process because I'm I don't really receive visions of anything. Like the paintings you've probably seen, they don't uh, come to me in a dream or a Psychedelic experience or even there's been some that have come in an ayahuasca ceremonies. Mm-hmm. I will admit that but um, I I do not have a a visual Imagination um, It's something that like it's one of these crazy things that I just You know, you're the only one that sees the inside of your head and I'm the only sure. one that sees the inside And I can't see the inside of your heads And so I just kind of we take for granted like oh everything kind of works like that um it was only until I was actually after college. I was talking to an artist friend of mine, named Kevin Llewellyn, and he was kind of narrating what was happening inside of his imagination, and because uh, he has these really crazy, uh, really interesting fantasy characters, and he gave me this like blow by blow of like what was going on, and I, it, I'm like, wait a second, like you've got like a movie in your head uh, uh, all right. the time. Like I close my eyes, it's just. Blackness and sometimes some static and sometimes some like geometrical things. But I don't know if it's just uh, I don't know why. You know, I had some interesting like brain trauma when I was young. Maybe that knocked it out. But just no, really, I can't conjure images up inside my head. And so well, maybe your art is the way to get that stuff out. Well, that's kind of it. Like you know? the process of it, the reason that it, I'm really passionate about it. What kind of makes it exciting is these. Images they I get to I'm 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 in, I'm inspired to create them because it's the first time I'm seeing them, you know as I watch them just kind of come out of the primordial Chaos of shapes and colors and like through that kind of conversation like they get Sculpted and, and brought to life. So I mean I'm as excited to see something finished as you know a fan that I would have to want to see a new image because this is the only way that I can, I can bring these things out. And I think what the psychedelics, um, my process with psychedelics is much more of a tool. You know, like with like an LSD, um, it's something that I feel I have a, a good degree of, of experience and control over. Um, it doesn't, uh, you know, opposed to something something that be more analog, like a mushroom. Mushroom has mushrooms always have like an agenda to them. With <laughs> LSD, like I can. If you know what you're, what you're working with, I can really count on that. Very malleable. Very malleable. And what that does in my process, I mean, number one, being into, and when you start entering into, like, I, I, I have some degree, I have a lot of respect um, for these type of tools and medicines. And uh, I try to practice a lot of discipline around them, like really clearing a space. You know, setting my intentions, making sure I can remove all the distractions and phones, and unplug the Wi-Fi, and just really be able to focus and kind of create a runway for some for whatever it is this like muse or creative spirit to come through. But I find that's that,
0: really being a psychedelic professional. You know, yeah, like yeah, you're an amateur if you're not doing that <laughs> for right? sure. This is the rookie league. If yeah, you're, if you're not really yeah, doing that. No, we may, yeah, we yeah a lot way. of
1: lot of stumbling at the beginning, but yeah, I think we're pro now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think what it does beyond Giving me what some people might think it gives a vision what it uh, One of the most valuable aspects of it. Is it just it really cuts through just the bullshit? Mm. Um, all the distractions like the Things that I might do when I'm not in that state like check Facebook or Instagram or YouTube are Completely repulsive when you're in a psychedelic state yeah. because it's something it connects me ultimately it really I feel that it connects me with the one of like the highest aspects of myself in that state you know it kind of it's easier to see the truth uh and that truth can be beautiful and or terrifying but it eliminates my uh, propensity to be distracted and stay completely focused and the the other aspect kind of the psychological aspect that i find the most valuable is um i work a lot because i don't conjure these visions in my mind i work a lot with this uh um this principle called pareidolia which is if you look at the like clouds up in the air it's the mind it's a psychological condition where the mind wants to make sense meaning out of chaos which we're doing at every moment we're filling in the gaps and making something mean something mm-hmm. and so a lot of my work um psychedelic or non-psychedelic is creating like a chaos and a group of shapes and then looking into it and seeing kind of how my subconscious reflects that back to me and, uh, you know, LSD is, uh, one has the, as kind of the side effect or one of the direct effects. It's, it takes whatever part of the brain, kind of the neocortex that creates that pareidolia and it just cranks that up to 11, you know, it's like steroids for a pareidolia. Yeah. So I can see things being finished almost before I start.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously, if you look at some of the peyote art and some of the other classic indigenous art, you'll see faces in all the clouds and all the rocks and and all of these things. There's this artist in uh, Sedona, Arizona, where we have a ranch. His name's Bear Cloud, and he does a lot of Mm. peyote and vision-inspired art. And that's that pareidolia. I didn't even know the name for it, but that's expressive there. It's just finding these ways that you can, even in the natural world, find shapes and faces coming out, dragons and you know, thunderbirds and things coming out of the sky. And, um, you know, certainly obviously in my own experiences with particularly Wachuma and some of these other things where you're on an adventure, you start to see the jungle and the clouds come alive in a different way. Yeah. Um, that, is really some mix of your own creativity, your own archetypes that are floating around in your head and actually the shapes that you're seeing. It's actually quite exciting when someone else can see
1: the same shape and you're like, that's a dragon. And they're like, you're right. yeah, there It is a dragon. Yeah, uh, I think sometimes there are, um, you know, in those sort of, sort of situations, there may be something that maybe, you know, if you pull the different people, they might agree. But what I, I think is, I find really interesting about it is that, um, it, it whatever you're seeing within the kind of the the tea leaves of these shapes, that is a there is a reflection back because that's the first thing that you it's kind of like the Rorschach test mm-hmm. like that's what. Um, was reflected back to you the like the most clearly and so except I, for
0: this one time i saw this cloud that was clearly the grinch <laughs> <and> clearly <laughs> objectively, a, the, objectively grinch. the grinch yeah. objectively the Grinch, and objectively had a heart in the center of it i mean but other than that i think you're right there's there's that exception that i will throw out there yeah
1: yeah i think <laughs> and i think that's uh i think and part of the process that i go through it's um uh, <laughs> when I can work on a piece and I start identifying several of them. And then once I have something that I feel like, okay, that's definitely looking towards like a face or a figure, then I rely upon, I have like an academic background of art and drawing and anatomy and cadavers and form and shape and color. And I use all of those, uh, like, um, or traditional academic techniques to bring something, um, to more of a representational level. But as several of these, uh, pieces of chaos start kind of formulating congealing into like a tapestry of objective, meaning that's where it feels like there, I kind of enter into this this kind of a second stage of a, a, a deeper reflection of my subconscious from, uh, from a, like a, a multi perspective, you know, that's when the, kind of the more interesting things mm-hmm. start happening when there's, they can weave together in a way that I could never have, imagined previously and i could only discover it from the commitment of kind of being there and going through and establishing all these different sort of like psychological touch points
0: yeah one one phrase that kind of came to me in uh in a journey was the ecstasy of dichotomy and I think Mm. that's something that really describes a lot of your work this kind of ecstasy of two opposing opposite forces Mm -hmm. interplaying and dancing and then collectively the entire piece forming this kind of unicity this singularity this cosmic balance that holds and which seems to be one of those main archetypes this this form of duality whether Mm -hmm. it's the Shiva and Shakti dark and light man and woman Um, the interplay of that is something that I think resonates so well because it's Something that we experience and we feel on a deep, deep level. These these yeah. forces in that classic yin yang dance. Um, yeah, it's,
1: it's very archety- archetypal. I mean, I think the closer, um, you know, the, the closer any artist can, uh, and the more honest they can be with themselves and what they're experiencing, and the the closer that we get towards trying to, um, you know, unveil or shine the light or display like any kind of. A a truth is something when we can, if we can touch onto that, I think that's, it's really that, that truth and the acknowledgement of that truth from other people that makes it connect on such a deep level.
0: Yeah. There was something that, um, Jordan Peterson, Peterson is a a professor and a psychologist from, uh, university in Canada, the university of Toronto, he was talking about archetypes and the archetypal stories. And he was talking about in particularly in the context of a few different Disney movies or different stories. He's like, they got it right. And what he meant by "they got it right" was that it, it adhered to a metaphysical truth. You know, there was something true about that about that story that we could all recognize patently as true—true true to the mm-hmm. human experience, true to the cosmos. And I think that's a, another great way to describe what you're painting: is it's it's true. It rings true in some crazy way, despite all of these figures and shapes and things that we'd be lucky to see in the, in our greatest psychedelic experience, yeah. you know, something about it is just like, oh yeah, like that's, that's real. That That's the sure. thing.
1: Yeah. And I guess that even if I'm trying to, um, you know, every, every painting isn't, doesn't always wrestle with like universal or objective truths, but, um, you know, if anything I do when I'm in the, when I'm really in that state, you know, I'm like, I try to you know, really center like my entire life around being able to facilitate, uh, more and deeper creative experiences. Um, the experience of that, um, it, whatever I'm going through, like that is, that's the thing that feels the most real and true to me. Like just the authenticness of trying to give everything I have like into that moment and the exploration through the use of these different tools and, uh, the focus and like the concentration, like it's the most real thing i think in in my life regardless of what i'm trying to paint the experience of that and sometimes i hope that it is that ex- just that experience alone that is uh, something that that drives uh drives like the... The, the image and makes it attractive to people.
0: It's the weird balance of everything you have and the least of what you have. Cause really a lot of times the truth comes from getting out of the way, like yeah. becoming as little you as possible. So you yeah. become that conduit. You know, I think uh, my art form is words, you know, I'm a writer and a poet. And for me, the, it's like how much can i get out of the way of truth like how much the i have these clumsy tools called words and Mm -hmm. i need to get them down and convey the meaning but really get them the fuck out of the way of the meaning you know Mm -hmm. that's just a medium to translate yeah and i suppose you know you're it's really seems identical i don't have much visually artistic talent but it seems a thing the the pixels the colors the shapes that's almost in a way your craft as well as your obstacle because what you're trying to portray is a truth that has to be translated visually in that in that medium and when you do it well it's it's as close to the truth as as you can get
1: yeah and getting out of your way is really it's a it's a difficult and you know, difficult process and a really challenging dance too and i think you know having so much time to um, kind of reflect on the the process of creating a piece of art and kind of going through it over and over and going through that ritual. I find that it always really. I mean, sometimes you're just on and you can go into it and you you just you just kind of feel that um, that energy. But I find that more often than not, there's a whole. It's like this filtering process where at the very beginning there's the most of me to get out of the way and like the first stage of almost any art is just that. Little voice that in the in the back of your head that like second guesses everything. Ah, old friend, resistance. And like, oh, here you are again. Oh, you're using that little trick again. Oh, isn't that cute? <laughs> yeah. Oh, how long are they going to like that one? Oh, oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, that's really just masturbating. Really one more time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll that do the trick. And you just know that'll it's there. That'll get you in the right you, head just, <laughs> you guys got to get used to that one, And because after a while, like you keep going, it gets bored, and you know yeah. it kind of like fades away. You know, then you get into a kind of then you, if. If, it, if you're lucky, you get it. I find if I'm lucky, I get into a, a deeper state where it feels like there's parts of like my unconscious that are mm-hmm. maybe being revealed to me. Um, and it, I think if enough of if I can pull enough uh, kind of imagery and ideas and symbolism from my unconscious that they're. Uh, My favorite pieces are the ones where you start kind of, because sometimes I'll get really granular, because I'm working on a digital medium, I can zoom into different aspects and work on pieces. But the the most exciting is kind of zooming out and then seeing all these separate elements uh, that were totally, um, that weren't consciously connected at all. There are times where that starts to almost reveal like a meta, there's like a meta consciousness. And that's where things kind of get pretty exciting. Um, you know, if there's some, it feels there are definitely times where you, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like surfing, I guess, mm-hmm. surfed a little bit. It's like that or kind of, it, there's moments where it feels like you're in kind of like a lucid dream, you know, that, that sometimes I get yeah. this exhilaration of being in a lucid dream. And when you know you're tapping into something that's kind of, that's just, just a, one step just beyond you and beyond your imagination. Like there's just like, it feels like there's just like, like, Fire, fire in your, in your, in your blood. Pure magic. Like you're just totally electric, and you know that you're there, and you just want to, whatever you want to do, you don't want to not be there. You don't want to second guess it, and you just want to ride that, you know, as long as you can.
0: I think surfing is a great analogy, but you know the important thing to remember, and I think it's the thing you touched on, is nobody goes surfing and finds himself immediately on a wave, you know, barreling the wave, what do you gotta do? Well the first thing is you put that tight ass wetsuit on and make that commitment, you know, and then you get in that cold ass water, you go out there, you put yourself in the right spot, you wait, and then when the wave's gonna come, you paddle like hell. You know, and that's the same as what Stephen Pressfield talks about in the War of Art. You know, it's if you're just waiting for the wave to just you be happen to be in the right spot and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I'm surfing. Now I'm a writer and now I'm an artist. Yeah. That shit doesn't happen. You got to put yourself in that spot. And for him as a writer is just planting himself in that seat every morning at 9 a.m. And sometimes the sets aren't going to roll in till Never. noon yeah. or one, but he's there every time. So that if the wave's going to come you know he's ready and and for him that's the difference between again the the pro and the amateur the pro just knows that you know some days the sets will be there some days they won't but every day he's going to be out there waiting for them yeah. and and working and paddling and, and making something getting better yeah, in
1: some way i mean it, it it sounds really simple but you just got to show up and it's harder than it's harder than it sounds you know, cuz there's days where it's almost that i think the more potential that you have the more you know that little voice will uh try to like you know, pull you away from being able to express your potential and just have to be kind of constantly aware of that, aware of like your own trappings, aware of where we kind of sabotage ourselves in order to just show up and do the work.
0: Yeah. Do you have a hard time saying this piece is done? Because for you, you know, it seems like you can look into a corner of a piece and it just goes on and on. It's fractal in a certain way. And it appears like you could continue to make the painting more and more and more fractal. I mean, is there... Is there sometimes you're like, am I done or am I not done or should I, I, they, I don't it? think
1: they're just I just abandon them <laughs> they're never done, and that's yeah. I think the only reason I even get things out into the world is because <laughs> I've psychologically set up like deadlines and uh and places where I don't have the ability to uh to to let it off and so yeah, I love starting thesis, but the amount of just orphans I have on my hard drives of things that nobody's seen that I'm just I have to just totally kind of let go because. Um, what, what interesting is sometimes they, I feel like I might not ever think it's done, but within absence, if I can step away from a piece for like a few months and look back at it, sometimes they might kind of like ripen right. to the point where I look back, I'm like, there was something I don't there. totally hate that piece. <laughs> I don't, I don't, re- I'm not repulsed by it. Like I might be able to use it for something, or maybe I can show other people this without feeling like a total fraud again, <laughs> you know? So... Um, yeah, in retrospect, they feel more done, but yeah, in that moment, because it's, you know, art is really about, um, you know, you start with this white canvas and this, you know, this, just imagine it's like this infinite, infinite, like explosion of this probability tree where you can go in any direction and make any decision. And for every decision you make, um, you're saying no to everything else. And as you kind of, kind of imagine you're kind of traveling through this like fractal, quantum probability tree of like options with every decision Um, you go from the infinite possibilities and you narrow that all the way down to this finite point of calling it finished and at that point it has a 100% probability that that's what you did you know and so like the sculpting of that you know getting like I can get I I can get up to here but I still like having a a few probabilities of where it can go (laughs) but when you have to say yeah that's done no more like this whole journey has ended the closure of that can be challenging especially when you're using tools that give you just such a wider array of like parameters and
0: options what are the what are the tools for people who look at these and say you know how the hell
1: we know it's a digital painting but what Mm -hmm. are the actual physical tools that you're using yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I still carry a sketchbook at times, uh-huh. you know, sometimes it's just drawing and, um, um, taking some notes, kind of working in composition for idea development. Um, pen and pencil is still, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of, kind of romantic about that, but, uh, hardware wise, um, I, for a lot of the images that you see, I use a kind of an extra large, like Wacom tablet, um, Connected to, I use Macs and PCs um, depending on what I'm feeling, but it's a combination of most of the um, part of my strategy as an artist is to, you know, to enter into that type of a flow state. Um, I find that programs like a Corel Painter, um, which is it's similar to Photoshop, only mm-hmm. it's got a. Uh, um, I kind of prefer the the brush engine and the way it inter- it works with the the hardware of the Wacom. Um, sponsors pay yeah, attention sure here. seriously <laughs> no, grills grills it's, great, <laughs> it's a great program um, that's where a lot of the like the like the fun sort of like the ideas and the exploration happen within that it's a really quick piece of software to generate and iterate a wide variety of like shapes and colors I can turn um, you know, pieces of photographs or patterns like into brushes. So, a lot of different decisions can get made there in a really short amount of time. Maybe it's kind of like that fail fast. You know, you can really iterate and see all these things and you, you can kind of tell if you've got something worth developing more. And then uh, I also use a lot of 3D packages like a C brush. um It's kind of a 2D, 3D painting tool. Um, or if I want something, if I want to really get, I like, I'm kind of, there's a technique called kit bashing. Um, it came from taking a bunch of like toy models and trains together and gluing the different pieces and making something out of that. But uh, I feel I have huge libraries of images and pieces of geometry that I've mm. taken and some of them I'll render them out and so, and put those in different folders and kind of once I have kind of like a base of, say, I have like at least like the composition or the colors to find or it's feeling like it's going somewhere, I'll go into these different libraries of either geometry that I've had that I've rendered or shapes. And then I can start taking those into like a program, like a layering program like Photoshop and throwing those in there and then seeing the different ways that I can combine them or sometimes I might just go straight into 3D and I've got this idea that I want and I'll render that out uh, through like a a key shot or like a high res render and then bring that back into the Photoshop piece and then start then the next challenge is kind of the juxtaposition and a lot of it's really intuitive actually like the way that I feel like i've been able to develop kind of like an inner compass of kind of like y- like, like yes to maybe to like uh, to fuck that kind of a thing and as you i put these shapes and i kind of move them around i'm just trying to like find that yes yeah you know, trying to find that like oh yes or that nah. mm, you definitely know like oh no 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 <laughs> and sometimes it's like maybe we'll mm, let it, we'll uh, let it maybe and, and you know maybe i'll put something else over there and i'll take a break but that's how That's really how the piece really kind of comes together and following that intuition. It reminds me a bit of like a, a hip hop lyricist that'll have a
0: notebook of rhymes. And then they'll you know not really know what they're going to do with them, not know where to put them, and then a song will come to them, and an idea for that, and then they'll take a lot of these rhymes that they have like, all right, this will go in this song, and this will mm-hmm. go in this song you know i'm I'm friends with a with an artist, and I've heard him through multiple iterations use the same rhyme in different songs his songs got discarded, and he's like, "Well, I like that rhyme, but the this song didn't work, and so yeah. they'll he'll take that rhyme out and put it into a different song and it's it's interesting, and I think you do that. In, in most things where you have sure. little pieces that maybe the piece failed, but it's this certain aspect then becomes part of the library that will yeah. ultimately manifest as something, uh, something else.
1: Yeah. And part of the process too. And then kind of part of the showing up is that some days, because we don't feel creative every day. Um, uh, maybe so- you bro. Yeah, every day I feel like making <laughs> things, I just get <laughs> sick inside. I'm like, oh, I haven't made anything. Um, you know, there's days where it's like, I'm just going to make pieces today. You know, if you're yeah. not really feeling that, like I'm gonna just going to start. I'm going to look and I'm going to find things that I like. I'm going to start building pieces of geometry and render them out and just kind of you stockpile um, this whole arsenal of shapes and pieces that um, are very interesting on their, on their own, but they're not a finished piece because I think part of when I do because right now I'm kind of at the stage now I don't know if it's just getting older but for me to make something that I feel um, really represent is a representation of, of more of my potential I need i mean I, I i only work at night like i I can't do anything during the day anymore there's too many like logistics and meetings and calls and all those distractions so i have to have these long runways of like all-nighters or like over the weekend um by often i more often see like the sunrise than i than you know i think most people do and because i need this i need this space to work with so because i can't do that every single day um What's kind of one of the ways, kind of like the psychological tricks for getting more excited is I'll spend days just building these new libraries of shapes and brushes that I've never used before and kind of coalescing them all for, you know, the ritual of when I actually get into it, then when I can get into that space, you know, if, especially if it's like a ceremony, psychedelic space, you don't want to be doing anything logistic when that's happening. I used to, when I used to do more psychedelic drawing, I I was telling people I used to take the, they're the butts of a. The, they're these like bands that you put on the back of like the butt end of a rifle that you put like bullets into. Mm-hmm. And I used to take those and fill those with uh like black Prismacolor pencils that were sharpened on both ends, on both arms. Because when you're like, when you're yeah, in the you're throws and you're there yeah. and you're on fire, like the idea of sharpening a pencil is would you absolutely ridiculous Would you just repulsive. toss them over your shoulder? Oh, I don't just- even know where they go afterwards. <laughs> or you break it and you're like... <laughs> But like every moment is that valuable that really the idea, like you, you don't have time for that, but the setting, like creating all of your pieces, you know, it's kind of like, like setting this whole sandbox and having all these new shapes and colors and pieces of geometry to use for the first time that kind of like that it's uh it's a way i don't know it's like role playing it gets me like excited to make something new with all that especially if i know that that represents you know tens of hours or like weeks of work that i put just so i can use all these and see how they come together and how my subconscious is going to reflect that juxtaposition yeah so as as you're saying earlier this you know
0: these the way that you interpret these shapes and build these stories is reflective of some aspect of you know an interpretation of both you and the truth that you observe Mm -hmm. out there so let's talk a little bit about some of these symbols and kind of what they mean to you a little bit I mean let's take it something like the dragon for example you know it appears in I think you would call them dragons yeah sure and uh, they've come to me in visions before many times and they have a meaning to me but I'm, I'm curious is you know does the dragon to you have a particular meaning to Android? That, that when, when that's coming out, it tends to express... A certain quality or a variety of qualities—an
1: archetype. Yeah, it's a—it's a, it is one of my favorite symbols, and I don't—I definitely don't have just one interpretation of it. I think it really depends on the like the context that I put it in. I mean, on one level, I love this idea of this like this mythological creature. Um, you know, I think the way that it kind of combines both like the archetype of like the snake and the eagle, which are like really interestingly charged. Quetzalcoatl. Yeah, you've got that. Um, even the way that like the the different like serpent cults and eagle cults have been represented you look at every major flag of kind of some of the major countries have eagles on them i've heard a lot of interesting theories about that but i think as a symbol that combines serpent and bird what that that together is like it's a pretty powerful but like i said it really depends on the context of the piece um i think like two dragon pieces that um i've done like they both represent really different things there's uh um, and there's one piece i have called like the monarch dragon And that was definitely started in a very psychedelic state. I was like at a festival in Australia on top of a, I was on top. They built me a little studio on top of a land rover where we had like a projection base out there. And I remember I went into that piece kind of in a similar way, just like going into the chaos of the shapes and definitely had a very, like an interesting night. But as that piece sort of developed, that's one where I didn't start with any intention, but the story started to kind of unfold because I made all these brushes and shapes. I made like a whole library of brushes with butterfly wings. I was going to paint with butterfly wings. And as it started to develop, it really just turned into this dragon. As I kept going with it, then this little figure started to kind of appear. And it could have just been like a side brush stroke. that that's what it turned into. And the narrative that was kind of revealed to me, um, I think during that journey I was going through, there was I was, there was a lot of fear, actually. I kind of went into a space where, uh, definitely a psychedelic space where Uh, i was really confronted with just that element of 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 a fear i don't even remember exactly what i was afraid of but i remember that came really strong Mm -hmm. and you know it takes a certain amount of courage to go back into these spaces over and over because you're very vulnerable sure um you can definitely be reflected with things you may not be ready to face at that moment um but the piece actually became the as the narrative started to unfold it really became a piece about about like what it means like what it means to be afraid and what it means to deal with fear and the, the final piece is this you have this large spiraling you know massive dragon that's kind of off on the horizon and in the foreground you have this small like little boy like the silhouette boy looking at the hill and the main principle in the story of this piece is that it is a piece about fear because sometimes when fear is abstract and fear is and this is never this isn't something I would have just been like I'm going to make a piece about fear and it's going to be this and this but like when when we don't really look at our fears and we let our fears kind of linger or we push them off to the sides or put them under the rugs, like they can actually become um, a lot more overbearing that they are. But if you really, if you kind of take like the fear walk and you really face the fear and you go all the way down kind of the probably path of what you're really afraid of, this giant dragon that's, that's intimidating um, and frightening, if you really start looking into it, like the whole thing is just made up of all these harmless butterfly wings yeah you know
0: that was a it's one of my favorite pieces and i've written it inspired me to write you know mm-hmm. some lessons about it and to me it was about the spiritual warrior you know the person who goes in shows up without armor over and just you know looks At the truth of what is coming, you know, understanding that it could be terrifying if you allowed it to be, but the act exactly like you said, the act of showing up vulnerable and in doing so showing your invincibility in a certain way, you know, like showing up and saying, I don't need armor because this, you know, I am invincible. I am a piece of the unicity that this thing is also a piece of. So here Mm -hmm. we are. And despite the size discrepancy and the massive things, you show up over and over again and just... Here I am. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's such a, such a cool piece to see. And I think actually there was a, one of my other favorite pieces used the butterfly effect on a giant tiger as well, Mm -hmm. which is, those are two of the, you know, probably one of the most important Japanese symbols for the tiger and the dragon. And I see you drawing from multiple different cultures is that, Mm -hmm. and and I find myself, I do the same thing in my own spirituality and the different things I create is just kind of take a piece from as many traditions as you see truth come from is that kind of part of your practice just expose yourself to everything and gather what you seem to like the most
1: yeah i definitely spent a lot of my 20s and 30s doing a lot of traveling around the world too um definitely a, a huge fan of going into seeing different cultures and their art and just seeing how art was a reflection of i like trying to just think of what it was like to kind of as, as an artist in this generation, what it was like to be artists, you know, hundreds of years ago in different culture and what their art meant and like how that reflected what was going on at the time and what purpose that served. And so studying that has always been something that I've been, I've just had a lot of, um, had a lot of passion around. And um, yeah, I do, I think we are in this time where we have, you know, we've got access to more information and culture than, you know, any previous, you know, his, uh, period and like recorded history has and as an artist i think it's an amazing opportunity to be able to bring all these you know desperate little pieces together and create something new you know because it's and it and for a lot of the pieces you know i'm not much of like a proselytizing type of guy, you know. I don't have like the way or the truth or the light, and mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm going to be. You might me. Jesus, yeah, but yeah. You don't have the way, or the truth, light. Like. A lot of it's really about, I think, what art. Uh, one of the goals of art is it. It's an amazing place of like a of a mirror of self reflection for people sure. to find something in. And sometimes, like with the, like example of like the tiger piece too. Um, sometimes I will just, I'll work on this stream of consciousness and, um, I might just be kind of chasing the aesthetic of something, but I want to add in these elements of like the butterfly and the water and the fire and the tiger, because it's, it's not about like, yep, this is what, this is exactly what this is about. It's what everything represents. Um, I want the art to just serve as a springboard for someone to look into it and be able to make that meaning for themselves. That's more powerful than sometimes what my, my, my narrative might be about the piece is giving someone like the flexibility and inviting them to find their own meaning into it. And that's because ultimately that may be more meaningful than anything that I would try to project into it. Mm
0: -hmm. And it's when you have access to all these symbols, you know, like Shiva and Jesus, you know, these two different archetypal figures, which in some regards are the similar figure for the, for the, Context at which they're in but They're really they have different flavors dramatically And I think the expression of art allows That that
1: flow I think it's The boom Shiva is that what you call it or Yeah the... that's that's one of my I, You know I'm really critical of all my Pieces you know but I think at least Like it's one of the most like Meaningful one of my favorite like Pieces and that was something where that was Very different um, that was Not I'm just gonna sit And see what happens kind of a piece um, That was more of a intentional piece where I was at the I was at the Kumbh Mela in like 2012 right? have you ever been to one of the no I haven't oh man <laughs> jeez note to self uh, note to self <laughs> Maha Kumbh Mela put it on the bucket list don't know how um, to spell it but I'll figure it out geez, man that <laughs> was in uh, Allahabad, and uh, I mean this is it makes this makes you know Burning Man look like a tailgate party i mean over the course of a month they I'm had like yeah like 30 million people it's the most people i've ever seen with my eyes at one point is that ever. is that it has like it happens eight, once every 8 years is that the one or it it does um it happens in a different place and there is it follows this kind of like this is i think there's a like a celestial calendar that it follows and it happens in four places on in india that um, when these two when these angels and demons were fighting over the nectar of life, it dropped in four places on in India And that's where the kum follows but and they have one I think every eight or twelve years That's like the Maha Mela, and that's the one we went to but I was kind of on this spiritual pilgrimage and also doing a lot of di- uh, Digital workshops at the time in India and I went to this This has been a goal of mine to go there for a long time and for whatever reason I've always been really drawn towards Shiva I know there's mm-hmm. something about him that's just, it's been a, like an attraction point, you know, and I try to just follow things that I have, you know, uh, that especially if I don't know why I'm attracted to it, it gets me more curious about it. And, um, so I was spending time and I was talking to different, um, yogis and yoginis and Naga and kind of asking more questions about Shiva and understanding him. And then, um, I came across, uh, was actually an album called Sounds of Isha, where there's, a uh, it's uh it's my favorite kind of like audio spiritual audio track and uh there's a a mantra called like nirvana like shaktam which is this shiva mantra and it's just when i heard it for the first time it's got this like really powerful like drum beat like it's like very uh gosh just it just it really from i think from like a masculine side like it really kind of just stirs your blood and um the just the chanting and the sounds of the sanskrit just i just i couldn't i didn't know why that i had such a i was so drawn to it and then um i found a translation of the sanskrit and it was uh this like the words the way that they described shiva It kind of talks about he is like he is supreme bliss and all auspiciousness but it talks about like what shiva is and what he isn't you know really how he's like everything and nothing mm-hmm. you know like he needs no followers he needs so no temples all like the
0: power this, and all the gentleness just, at the same and just time, yeah. and really
1: like understanding like what shiva like I, I never really understood like the grandiosity of what he represented because sometimes in some religions too um they're using the technology and the symbols of the time you know and in india the reason we kind of see shiva as this sort of cartoon character with like the lion's claw, like those refer to different stories, but those are versions where they kind of consider those are like, they call it the calendar Shiva because there was a moment in India, like I think in the sixties, seventies where color printers were this new innovation that was really popular and they were able to mass produce like tons of posters and calendars. And they just like grabbed the artists at the time. Like we need the Shiva, like we need the Hanuman and that kind of became what people saw it as. And after after like digging into this mantra, I was just like, "Wow, I have no, I, I had no idea, like the immensity and the vastness, you know, to be everything and nothing at the same time, you know, to keep completely embraces like all aspects of duality simultaneously, and that that really that just the meditation, like meditating onto that mantra." It really just gave me this, this, this idea of just like the vastness of Shiva. Like how could I possibly, like one, it was one of like looking at the depiction of Shiva that I had seen before that looked more like a thundercat. I mean, like, no, that's, <laughs> oh. that's not Shiva. That's not no. the Shiva this mantra talks about. <laughs> that's the Halloween costume and, version. And yeah. also understanding that a depiction of Shiva is impossible. And when you really understand what he's about, there's no way you could ever create a piece, but, um, I wanted to at least create a bit of a bridge that took people from this concept of Shiva and pointed them towards this infinite one. And when I thought about how am I gonna depict that and I kinda went into the meditation around that, it I realized that like I could try to create Shiva, like the shape of Shiva out of like the negative, like dark matter of the universe, you know, mm-hmm. and a silhouette could be like cast by galaxies. Like that felt more appropriate and kind of meditating on that and like really just listening to the mantra over and over again. That's where, that's where the boom Shiva uh, came out from.
0: Well, yeah, it's one of my favorite pieces as well. And I think that you did exactly that with the medium that you have available, getting out of the way of a massive truth, you know, the truth of what Shiva is getting out of the way enough to express as much of that as possible. You know, it'll never be able to translate this concept yeah. into any medium words everything will fail other totally. than pure dumbstruck you know understanding that comes mm-hmm. wordlessly perhaps and even then the limitations of our brain won't even be able to to house it but in that that instance I mean that's by far the closest I've seen to that because you see other descriptions the symbols kind of make sense and there's Mm -hmm. moments of powerful symbols like for me above my altar is Shiva who's totally chill it's not even a very well done artistically Mm -hmm. aesthetically but he's just totally serene and chill and Kali is just standing on his chest with the heads of severed you know men and infant arms and her tongue out and her long black hair and he's just looking at her like, Oh, ain't she great? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that expression of, you know, this is balance you yeah. know? and I'm Shiva. This is not anything that I am troubled with. In fact, I love it. This is the greatest love affair of all Shiva and Shakti, yeah. You know, those raw primal forces and the thing that accepts all, all of the universe and is responsible for the creation of all the universe, that beautiful balance. But to see him singularly without another symbol to show what that means you know, I, it's really mind-blowing. And yeah, and another another symbol, I think, that I saw that was like that is, like, Prometheus, for example. Like, you can get, like, a strong guy or a lot of different things, but to show Prometheus, I've never seen it done well where I actually understood that this is a man who had the sacrifice to you know, steal fire from the gods and be willing to accept the punishment as he's chained to Tartarus and Eagle was chewing out his liver every day. So how do you like express that symbol? Mm -hmm. And to me, I finally saw it done where I was like, Oh, I get it. I get Prometheus, but it had to have, so the Eagle had just ripped his, ripped his liver out and it showed Prometheus hugging the Eagle with this loving embrace, just pure Mm -hmm. gratitude and love. And I was like, Oh, that's that dude. (laughs) Wow. Like that's the, that's the, that's the person. And again, it wasn't even about the art. It was just about that symbol, you know, of, okay, I get it. now. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand that. And I think that's even something for, you know, the, the Christian mythology that I think is really hard to express. How do you express Jesus? Well, him just kind of chilling on the cross, I kind of, not really, doesn't quite express like the amount of love that that kind of figure is supposed to do. And that's the challenge of these things. And that's, you know, a challenge that, you know, thankfully we have you to undertake and help us kind of figure out these archetypes and have meaning that we can get instantly like, oh, now I get it.
1: Like now I get that thing. Yeah. Cause the pieces they read, they are like these these fingers that are kind of pointing at the moon and they're just, they're kind of touch points of a transmission, you know, like the piece that you have of Shiva and Kali in your house. It's not about what an amazing piece of art that is, but it's really a reflection of the work and the understanding that you have around those two archetypes. And every time you see it, you instantly can get this little touch point of that transmission. You know, I think art can also serve as really amazing. These points of we surround ourselves with these things because we also want to be reminded um, by them so we can kind of keep our focus and keep our concentration and kind of keep on path.
0: Yeah, for sure. So when I know you've gotten quite a bit of shit for some of your art, like it's, it's caused a lot of people to accuse you of a wide variety of things and it's uh, from secret cults and all kinds of
1: it's, it's gotten a little weird. Right. I mean, you know, it, it has. I mean, then there's two there's two schools of, of thought that I have on that one. I was really I'm very flattered and also kind of like I'm, a, I'm such a huge conspiracy theory buff. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, let's, I, 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 I spend way too much time looking at all that and imagine my disappointment where some of the same conspiracy channels that I've been listening to for a long time. Then all of a sudden I'm on their front page and they're going after me as part of the Illuminati. (laughs) It's like, wait a a second. Hey, hey, if, if you're wrong about that, then you might've, Hillary Clinton, isn't a reptile. Maybe. I don't know. What's the truth anymore. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. Or the other side of that is like, well, Gosh, am I working for the Illuminati? Like, <laughs> without even I don't, knowing. I mean, it's like, I don't. I don't control? remember the email. I'm not getting any checks. I mean, maybe. <laughs> but then I had another. I think there was. It's actually, if you want to get into more of like one of my favorite authors is like Philip K. Dick, and he kind of touched on this, where he had a theory around like the Illuminati that it was, uh, it was less of like you know all these these twelve guys in a smoky room or um, you know reptilian shapeshifters, but that it was actually more, there, and this is its a little bit more plausible that the Illuminati is a, what we call the Illuminati and the reason that you see, um, you know, you see the, the Lady Gaga and the Super Bowl and all these things that seem like objectively, like ridiculously accurate, like why are all these symbols happening over again? Why are hip hop <laughs> artists doing this? Like what's happening? Like there's got to be, there's got to be a team in charge that's like art directing, you know, popular culture with pyramids and eyeballs, <laughs> like how could this not be happening? And the, the kind of the Philip K. Dick theory is actually that there's that the Illuminati is more of a meta consciousness that is like working through different people at different points of times, um, un- unknowingly to the people that are doing that, and that's how it gets its agenda across. So, like that could be one theory. Like maybe if I don't keep my guard up, maybe the Illuminati is working. Through me to Within like you, yeah. have this happen, but at the same time, and for like the Empire State Building, like that was that was Kali coming through. I mean, that had real intention behind it. Like, I think that was just something that ruffled some people's feathers based off. And for people I'm not having don't an awareness you, of what that means, for
0: people who don't know, you projected an image of Kali on
1: the side of the Empire State Building. Yeah, yeah. And now, if anything, I feel that that got underneath the radar of the illuminati i felt like they did not (laughs) see that one coming because kali i mean it's like here in your new york city your new york city this is like the most phallic like uh capitalistic representation business like building in the world and to put like maha kali on it was i mean that was totally that was that was a that was such a renegade move i can't even believe that that happened and it went under the filters because you know Kali like she is she is the she is the destroyer of darkness and yep. demons. You know, yep. she's what eats and destroys all the demons that we need destroyed right now. She's not a demon in herself. Well maybe there was a little help actually guiding I, guiding
0: I, some cosmic balance where I, you can get I Kali so. the destroyer of all ego and the biggest, tallest, most phallic fucking symbol in the world. Made sense to me. If not that what else? I don't No, yeah (laughs) seemed obvious that's beautiful do you feel like um you know do you feel like that when you you really get as clear and empty as possible that you have some help that you
1: have some guidance that there's a little wind at your back i do yeah i mean i feel that there is what i what i'm trying to get in touch with as uh that i i'm if there's anything that I could, I could really kind of put a flag down, like what have you learned or what do you've known from these, from all, from the ayahuasca or, you know, going through India or what personally, what's been revealed to me is I feel that there is a, that there's a, there's a, there's a form of, there's a creative intelligence. uh, um, This is creative force that it is, it's, it's conscious and it's aware and it's eternal. And I, I feel like it's accessible at all times And, um, my, my interactions like with that have been probably the most, the closest things that I could call like, like a supernatural experience, you know, whatever that is. But, um, there's also, the thing is there's all kinds. There's also other, other entities and other types of intelligences that, that do not have, you know, our better interests at heart too. And there's a lot to navigate through.
0: Maybe. But then again, like. If you're going to create the world the the universe's greatest video game you need resistance right like if you took a video game out and put it in and there was no monsters like that game would suck discard it right (laughs) so we need these forces of resistance whose sole job it is is to fuck us up. like that's And that's been my encounter with the darkest forces. Like, oh, here you are. Your sole job is to fuck us up. But in doing so, that's what's going to allow us to be stronger. That's what's going to provide the resistance point that's going to draw out our best and make this a game worth playing, allow the duality that ultimately works. And it was this really interesting moment where I encountered what classically in a, in a Christian context would have been Lucifer and encountered that and saw him in a way of... As the ultimate resistance, but doing so because it loved creation so much that something had to hold down that archetype of ultimate resistance and then this feeling of gratitude like, hey, fuck, thanks for holding down the dark side, you know. And then I started to get like warm, sentimental feeling. And then it was like, no, don't get it twisted. I'm still going to fuck you up. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's my job. Like, it's not like, don't be too, you know, be grateful, but sure. recognize that no, you I, still, really, have a, you I gotta, still have a job to play. You got to stay
1: humble too. Yeah, you know? totally. Like there's this, uh, yeah, I'm, I feel very fortunate that there are types of transmissions that I've been able to, to bring through, you know, cause it's like, this is, you know, like this isn't you know, I'm just renting this, you know, like the, we all give it back, you know, we all got to get all of it back, you know, yeah. all this, the freedom and opportunity. Like I don't own any of this, like this is just kind of on loan. So, um, you know, we're just trying to do the best with what we have.
0: Indeed. Yeah. And thankful, you know, I think a lot of us are grateful that you've done the best with what you have. Cause it's, uh, it's affected a lot of lives, myself included. So,
1: yeah. well, I'm so grateful that I live in a time where, there are so many amazing people that have done all of the work to be able to like receive the type of images that i'm able to create
0: indeed yeah anything that you'd like to um point people's attention to any projects you're working on or anything uh you'd like people to check out
1: yeah if um you know if people are curious about kind of images like the boom shiva um, we have a project called samskara that takes uh, it really takes the breath of the work that i've done over the past 10 15 years and I work with a, a team of animators out in, uh, in Thailand, these Hare Krishna, Russian Hare Krishnas in Thailand, that we've created this uh, 360 animated visual experience for people to check out. And that plays at different planetariums around the world. And we're organizing some tours. And if any of your listeners are uh, into and curious about virtual reality, we've got a, a VR project called Microdose VR that it's uh, been my attempt of... And kind of consolidating what the creative experience is and making something that makes that sort of that, the fire of that creative uh, rush accessible to a lot more people.
0: Hell yeah. Sounds yeah. good to me. It's been a pleasure getting to know you, my friend.
1: Yeah. No, Thanks so much for having me Yeah, on.
0: absolutely. People often ask me why I started on it. And one of the best answers to that question is it has everything that I fucking love. It has the fitness products that I've loved using for years between the kettlebells, the maces, the clubs, all of these unconventional tools that have history, in some cases that extend back a thousand years, but that modern athletes are using. It has the best supplements. Not only have we taken natural ingredients, we've tested them in rigorous clinical trials like Alpha Brain with the Boston Center for Memory. And then it has all of these delicious functional foods and proteins. This is a culmination of all of the tools that I like to use to benefit my life on a daily basis and i literally use these things on a daily basis i love this stuff it's a key part of who i am and i hope you guys love it as much as i do onit.com slash aubrey o-n-n-i-t dot com slash aubrey you'll save 10 percent on everything enjoy